I am delighted to be joined by not one, but two people today for my podcast. I'm here with Victoria Stenhouse and Mike Stenhouse. Thank you for joining me. Hey, thanks for having us. I met Mike first about probably a bit over three years ago when he interviewed me for his very successful podcast, which is Inside Property Investing. And uh, it was one of the very first interviews I had ever given, and I was petrified, but Mike was so lovely and made me feel really relaxed, and <laughs> he actually started all of this. So, yeah, you're to blame, Mike. Thank Sorry. you. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me, Mike, what was it that got you started on Inside Property Investing all those years ago? Uh, I'll try to give you the short version of a long story. Um, in a nutshell, we were transitioning into property being our full-time focus and looking for some way of sort of starting to make more of a dent in the industry. Um, I was commuting back and forwards from Newcastle to Manchester every week, which was quite a long drive. Got fed up listening to the radio, started listening to American entrepreneurial podcasts, dead rah-rah, cheery, hype you up type stuff. Um, Hence why yours had that naff American Yeah, yeah, to anyone that listened to it a while oh, back. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. <laughs> this American guy, the big deep voiceover, welcome to the inside. Yeah, anyway, yeah. I don't need to do that. Um, so there was one in particular that I listened to when every month he did an income report. And this guy, along with his Partner. girlfriend at the time, um, was bringing in hundreds of thousands of dollars per month in sponsorship revenue, course sales and all that sort of stuff. And the figures that he was reaching in terms of his audience were were phenomenal. Um, and at the same time, I was listening to or going along to property investing events and seeing really great guys like Susanna Cole and Julie Maurice speak to rooms of like 40 or 50 people. They had a really good message, but they'd drive up the motorway for three hours, speak to a room and then get in their car and drive back. And I thought there was some way that we could bring a sort of property investment podcast where I interview these people, get their message out there and possibly monetize it in some way as well. So it was a case of trying to make their lives a little bit easier, build a brand for ourselves, and have some sort of, whether it was a revenue stream, I just knew something good would come from building an audience. Um, so we bought a cheap microphone on Amazon that did us the first three years. We only replaced it recently, and it just sort of went from there. We've interviewed sort of over 200 people in that time, and yeah, it's just opened a whole host of different doors. We make a little bit of money from it, but no, you know, that's that's by no means the sort of biggest advantage of it. It's just become this uh, this entity of sharing knowledge, meeting people, building our own network, and, and helping other people get started as well. So um, yeah, just, I, I guess, good timing thinking that there was an opportunity there and thankfully we had people like yourself who were willing to take a chance back in episode 13 and say yeah I'll come and do an interview with this unknown guy that nobody's ever heard of and see what happens so yeah it was just uh yeah good luck good fortune and it seems to have gone from there so you didn't make hundreds of thousands like the American guy not quite not, not quite. yet we're working on it <laughs> yeah <laughs> and that's through ad placement is it during or before at the beginning of the podcast yeah so I mean there's a few ways that, that you can kind of monetize a traditional podcast that we try to do so um, there's sponsorship so we have property related businesses service providers that want to reach our audience it's a relatively small audience compared to big media outlets TV ads and newspaper ads and that sort of thing but it's very niche it's very specific um they're all either existing property investors or aspiring property investors so that's valuable to someone who wants to sell mortgage products to them 
landlord insurance, furniture packs for landlords, all that sort of thing. So yeah, there's sponsorship on it. And then on the back of it as well, um, we've had a lot of people, one thing that we do on the podcast is talk about our story. And over the three years, Victoria and I have progressed a lot in terms of the type and the size of projects that we're working on. So we had a lot of people come to us say, we'd like to come in, do like have a look around, spend the day with you. We'd like to be part of like a mastermind group with you we'd like you to teach us what you know our sort of specialism if you like is hmo investing so we like people so there's a few sort of educational things that we've built around it as well um and it's just been a yeah there, there, it, it's just been a case of keeping our eyes open really listening to our audience seeing what they want and then trying to to put something around that that delivers value to them but also justifies our cost because there was a time when we were uh going for coffees all day every day for free with people which is great it's a great way to meet people and everything but we could literally spend all day every day drinking coffee and we thought well we'd like to keep doing this but you know we need to put food on the table as well so. no you, you can't do it and I know that's the same for me people are constantly saying can you meet me for coffee I want to talk to you yeah. and I remember one day I must have spent this one woman ordered lunch as well and I think I spent about 80 pounds in one day just buying people coffees and lunches and things and I was drained at the end of it. And I thought, I can't keep doing this. Yeah. I'm giving, giving, giving for nothing. And actually, yeah. it's cost me 80 quid at a lovely members club yeah. in London. And so I guess in that way, by having the podcast, you're you're allowing people to come and tell the story and, and give back or give out their advice and their top tips and their experience. Yeah. And, I, I you know, it's... Um... It is difficult. I don't know you find yourself in the same position. The more you put your, yourself out there and the more you give away for free, the more people almost expect it. And it's, you know, it's trying to get that balance. So for us, it took a while for us to be able to like have the confidence to say no to people. But actually, what we've found is that if we, we say no, if we put a price on our time, if we put a service around it versus just giving everything away, you actually end up working with the people who genuinely want to work with you, the people who just want to kick the tires or waste your time, they disappear. Even if you put a low price on something, it sort of rules them out a little bit. And we find that, you know, we end up working with the serious people, the ones that genuinely want to change their their lives, their investing. They want to take value from what we have said. So, um, yeah, it's actually it's actually been a good thing to to be a bit more secure in ourselves, I suppose, and say, no, our time is valuable. Our knowledge is valuable. And uh, yeah, it's about valuing who you are and what you bring to them. And exactly. That's right. It is very difficult, actually, to to know what you're worth yeah um, yeah and we're still figuring that out but yeah. we're, we're getting better with it so yeah not not hundreds of thousands of dollars yet but you know it's um it's a big part of what what we do you know we are active property investors but we also want to create uh, a media company is what i call it with the podcast with written content video content um yeah we want to help other people a lot of that is free and then for the people that want to take it a step further there's more and more things we're starting to do now that we're putting a price on and it seems to be working well so yeah no we've got we've got big ambitions and it's just a case of uh keeping our eyes open to the opportunities and feeling our way through it and well i want to come back to the the plans but first of all i want to bring victoria into it as well and i met you victoria about a year ago bit over a year ago now and I think it was either your first day or your first week working with Mike. <laughs> yeah it was we came down to so I left the corporate world in February 2017 so yeah it's about 14-15 months ago now and yeah I think that very first Monday we came down to London mm-hmm. um, to have a look around your Harrington Gardens project and do a few other things. Yeah, break to work straight away. Yeah, yeah that's right. Um, so yeah, just over a year now. And how's it been? Do you regret the decision? Are oh, you allowed to say that now? God, <laughs> absolutely on not. It was 
best thing we ever did, wasn't it? I think we, it was always our intention. It was always what we were working towards and had been for years. Um, and when it actually happened, it felt really surreal. And it was it was absolutely fantastic. Over the 12 months, you know, we'd be lying if we said there weren't challenges. And I think if anyone does follow us on social media, we're very open with those challenges and we're, we're, we're very open to discuss what we've been through. We've changed our roles a little bit over the course of the year. Um, and now we're much happier kind of 12 months on. We found our feet a little bit How more. How have you changed those? So um, when we met, in, uh, both of us kind of come from a project management background in the corporate world, but obviously Mike kind of exited that a lot sooner than I did. Um, so we just assumed that project management would be the natural fit for me. So when I left, I'd come and start managing all our projects. But what we didn't account for was actually... I was kind of sick of it. By the time it came for me to leave the corporate world, I'd been doing it for so long and I'd become so disenchanted with corporate life that I didn't want to do more project management. Um, so that was a kind of... We just hadn't really considered it. We hadn't spent the time thinking, do I want to do more of this? We'd just assigned it to me without thinking about it. So, um it was just yeah. trial and error, really, wasn't it? Was, it was, yeah. So now I, I do a lot more of the content creation, um, you know, the video editing, the written articles, kind of the post-production podcast side of things. And, it, yeah, it just excites me a lot more, you know, all the social media stuff, similar to the kind of thing that you're focusing on, just gets me a lot more excited. And actually, um, you, Mike, you're enjoying being back on the projects a mm -hmm. bit more aren't you and focusing on building our portfolio a little bit yeah so. I think I, I mean I came to I became disenchanted with the whole thing you know I was getting stressed out we we were trying to grow this business so that Victoria could leave work and um you know she was supporting me whilst I was starting out so I felt like I, I had an obligation to then allow her to step away from it and as she said you know that's always been our plan was for both of us to leave the corporate world but yeah, we were trying to run media business, our own property development business, and then the lettings side of things as well. And it was all on my shoulders. And it was, yeah, I, I kind of was fed up with everything by the time you left the corporate world. So I think we both went through a bit of a phase of trying to figure out where our passions actually lay. And it took us probably six months for me to re regain that interest and for you to figure out where your strengths lay. And, you know, in the corporate world, we had both been project managers, but I don't think either of us really intended to end up in project management. So although mm. you'd been doing it for five, six, seven years, however long it was, it was nice for you to have the opportunity to try the different things and find where your true passion was versus just, you know, what you could get paid an income for. Yeah, absolutely. And um, so how long have you been together then? It sounds like you've been together a very long time because you're actually not that old either. <laughs> no, so we're, we're both 30. We were 30 fairly recently. Our birthdays were actually only two days apart. Um, but we have been together... Eight years, this seven years? Eight, eight years. years, I think. <laughs> We've been together about eight years. Seven, seven, okay. I think. Seven or eight. <laughs> seven or eight years. We met, we met in the corporate world, so we both got a graduate job uh, with the big sort of a multinational company up in Newcastle. Um, we met there and the relationship sort of took off slowly. Well, and then it took off very quickly um, after about a year of me trying to woo her and then she thought she kind of finally wore her down and she was like all right fine okay um and then from there after we were, after we moved in um i mean we, we were both kind of focused on success we had different ideas of what that looked like um but then rich dad poor dad came knocking 
Uh, I think I left it on your pillow one night and said, have a read of this and see what you think. I um, left it on my pillow for about six months. Probably, yeah. <laughs> I gave in and read it. Um, and yeah, from, from that point on, it has very much been personal life together. I mean, we, we moved in together pretty quickly. Um, we've been very close in terms of, you know, we're, we're both, uh, anytime we're doing anything, it's, it's as a couple, which is nice. And then very quickly after that became the career was together as well so yeah we spend a lot of time together but um clearly it works it, it works it does work <laughs> most of the time most of the time yeah <laughs> yeah look i won't ask you about how how that goes <laughs> all the time because i'm sure there's ups and downs as there is with any business partnership yep. and relationship but you also just to go slightly more to your personal life as well mm-hmm. and before we go back to the podcast and what you're doing business-wise you're really into sailing Yes. And I've thoroughly enjoyed watching all your content on the sailing side as well. Well, I mean, you were... Yeah, it's, something. It's, it's your hobby that I got into, isn't it? Yeah, so it's something I've kind of grown up with. My parents always had a yacht as I was growing up, and that sounds really flashy. It's, it's absolutely not. You know, my parents <laughs> have got Saint-Tropez. this... saint Yeah, no, they've got this kind of little 30-foot yacht that they keep in North Wales, and my dad, it, it's, a, it's a passion yeah. thing for my dad. So I've kind of grown up in and around yachts, but... I mean, I'm sure people can relate to this, the idea of getting taught from your father. It's just not something that's ever really worked for me. So as we got a little bit older and I spent years away at university, I came back and I wasn't that confident. Mm-hmm. Um, and I said to Michael, I'd really like us for us to go and have some lessons and become educated so we can enjoy my dad's hobby with him. Um, so actually, for our 30th birthday, we went and got our day skipper qualification um, which was a fairly large undertaking. So it was five days theory, five days practical. Um, and we just absolutely loved it. We loved every element of it. Um, and we we had plans on the table to go and do something. We wanted some time away from the business. We kind of toyed with a ski season um, or just moving abroad. And But it was a, a bit of a loose plan. Um, and the minute we kind of stepped on, out onto that yacht, I mean, I think the weather helped because we'd been mm-hmm. used to North Wales and this was out in kind of Spain the minute we stepped on that boat, we both just looked at each other and said, this is it, this is the answer. Um, So that was, yeah, just over six months ago now and we're working towards a target of next April, so roughly 12 months from now, um, buying a yacht of our own and potentially sailing around the world for a couple of years. Um, We've not put a a time limit on it. Our only um, goal for ourselves is that we don't have to come back. So mm. we want to set sail knowing that we can go for six months or six years. The business will And the business will support and... itself and continue to generate income for us. So then how long we go for is just a question of how much we're enjoying it versus the need to come back yeah. to keep the business afloat. And again, with as with like I was saying with our relationship, it is very much a mix of personal and business but you know it seems to work well for us we're going to be on the boat we're still going to be working we'll hopefully still be podcasting and things with wi-fi i was going to ask that yeah so uh, it is it's it's uh it's a work-life thing we're not moving away from work it'll just become our new place of employment which is kind of exciting Um, yeah but yeah it seems that 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 seems to have been how we've done everything isn't it mixing the two you know the uh the boundaries are sometimes a little bit grey between personal and, and work, but it works for us. Yeah, think about how good that's going to be on your socials. Oh, working yeah. from the Absolutely, boat yeah. around the world. The amount, yeah, the uh, I think the amount of people that want to come visit us now is uh, just escalated yeah, rapidly. Yeah, charge so. even more for a coffee. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I'll definitely come and visit you when you're around Ibiza. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that look, that's fascinating. That you uh, you've got these targets in place and you 
can actually see yourself getting to those targets where you can live this nomadic lifestyle and still continue on with the property mm. journey. And is that because you've got really good people in place or you're putting great people in place here on the ground? In yeah, the so it's, it's something that we've started doing um, and it's something that we've now got 12 months to really nail the process. So as I mentioned, I, I left work 12 months ago. Um, so we went from one to two and then about six months later we hired our project manager so we went to a team of three and then two months ago we hired our lettings manager so it's a progress a process sorry that's already started but we've now got 12 months to really get that team comfortable in the roles and get all those processes in place to allow us to to kind of leave and the business to keep growing Um, because we don't you know it's we want to go and have this adventure, but we are still very ambitious and we still want that business to keep growing. So the only way we're comfortable stepping away and doing this is if we know that we've got a team that we can trust to keep things moving on the ground for us. So perhaps we'll do slightly less projects. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as we're sat here now, I think we've got eight projects on the go. We'd maybe scale that back slightly and just do a couple of really good ones. Um, but certainly the podcast and the media side of things, we, we intend to keep going yeah. at its current kind of pace, don't we? Yeah, we we can't stop it. A lot of our properties are buy and hold. So HMOs, shared houses, um, the tenants are still going to be there. They're still going to need dealing with. They're still going to need, you know, they might get locked out. There might be maintenance issues. So we can't just go away and forget about everything. We need to make sure that those systems are in place. And as Victoria said, we're sort of now getting to the stage where it feels like we've got a business versus just the two of us scrabbling around waking up thinking what do we do today to keep the ship afloat sorry that was a terrible saying but <laughs> i didn't even mean that but you know you know what i mean well done mike well done <laughs> so your portfolio as it stands you've got eight projects on the go at the moment yep. how many are you holding how many project or how many houses do you currently have so moment? existing portfolio we've got about 15 um and that's predominantly hmos so um i think we're up to about 50 something rooms and we think with what we've got in the pipeline there's probably another 20 or so rooms to be added to that um and the hmos were very much uh an active choice for us because as i said one of the big drivers for getting into property was to replace our income so it could be full-time for us not something that either of us were particularly passionate about the idea of having loads of housemates kicking around but it's worked out well for us and they have provided a very good income that means that neither of us should ever really need to go back to a full-time job um the rest of the portfolio now we are kind of moving back to single lets um so why is that is it the is it the market conditions I think there's there's a couple of things. So we started off when when we first started doing property, we were flipping. So we were buying, doing things up, selling them. Um, partly because we didn't have that much cash to begin with, so we were building that cash pot. HMOs were a strategic choice to replace our income, and we knew that was the quickest way to replace two corporate salaries and get us the freedom we wanted. Um, now they're attractive, and you know we've seen the income that they can produce. Hence why even though we're both out of work, we're doing a couple more now because they can, they're quite desirable and it's mm. difficult to say no to if they're there. But we don't want... Firstly, we don't want to compete with ourselves. We kind of try and stick to the best HMO in each area. So you won't find us with two HMOs on the same street. We like them to kind of be slightly dispersed so we're not competing with ourselves. 
But on the same vein, we want our lettings manager to be able to manage everything and we don't want her driving for three hours in one direction. So the, that kind of limits how big our HMO portfolio Where are can they get. Predominantly? Uh, predominantly in Stockport. So northwest, um, kind of, south yeah, Manchester. northwest Manchester. Um, sorry, northwest, northwest UK, yeah. south south Manchester. Um, kind of as far down as Macclesfield, we've recently done in one in Macclesfield, and then Stockport Town Centre, and and spreading out a bit. But yeah, I think we want to diversify our portfolio, spread the risk a little bit. Now we've got the income that we need, um, we can. I guess afford to be a bit more strategic with what we want to do and we yeah. think single lets are I guess a safer long term play for us. Less um, less hassle, less turnover. And also actually with some of the so the single lets we're not buying a two bed terraced house and giving it a spruce up. Uh, in one case, we're building a block of five apartments. In a couple of cases we're converting offices into blocks of apartments. The ROI that we can achieve on them as a block is actually pretty similar to a single HMO now. So there, there's not going to be a massive drop-off in the income from each building or the return from each building, but the the management time that they take should drop off quite significantly. Um, so yeah, like, a few reasons there. And then there's a couple of projects that are buy-to-sell flips because boats are expensive and having a lump of cash behind us would just give us a bit of confidence a to go and buy the boat and then just to know that um you know should the worst happen if there's if we run aground or whatever we've got money in the bank to replace the hull or you know whatever it might need be it's just nice to go away with a bit of a buffer there as well yeah so a bit um, more of a mix now than we used to and commercial as well we've so um you know we've uh, more recently our hmos have been commercial to residential conversions but we're now um, we're going for commercial for commercial sake. So we've got two mm-hmm. commercial units that we're going to maintain as commercial. And I think it, it's two things. It's one is spreading the risk, diversifying the portfolio, and one is shiny penny. Like we we just it's interesting, something new to talk about, and it's exciting to try new things. So yeah. um, that's that is the strategy behind it. To be honest, we just we get excited by things and want to try them. Yeah. So just summarise for me, in order for you to be able to, in April 2019, walk away, buy your boat and sail away for an indefinite period of time, what will your portfolio, when I say that, (laughs) portfolio look like at that time and what will you need to continue with in order to have the lifestyle that you require? So I think um, as it stands, we could go away tomorrow and we often say maybe we should just pack up and go tomorrow. Um, but we want to go away and enjoy it. We want to have a certain level of security, but also we want to be going into nice marinas and going to beach clubs. You know, it's 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 a dream for us. So we want to we want to have the money to enjoy it, not be scrimping and saving and only being able to eat the fish we catch off the back of the boat. So we could go away now. The portfolio will look pretty similar. I mean, I think we'll probably be up to about twenty units that we retain um, by that point, just with the portfolio that we've got just now. Um, a few of them are HMOs so like I say we're probably going to increase that by about 20 rooms there will be a couple of blocks of single lets that are uh, hopefully in areas where capital appreciation is a bit stronger than the HMO areas because we've got to think about when we come home as well we need to be in a financial position that we can buy a home again we're selling our home to go so um, the single lets should sort of fit that criteria Um, and then we will leave with our PM and our well our project manager and our property manager on board up to speed where we've got confidence in their standards and their systems so that 
we'll probably have a few more projects on the go. Um, don't know what that'll look like just now. We're very much in... Um, we don't go out and look for specific things to buy. We look at the numbers on everything. So we're not looking for offices to convert to residential. We're not looking for plots of land to build on. We can have appraise anything and everything. And if the numbers stack up, we'll look at it. So I don't know what type of projects it'll be. Probably less than eight projects in the, in progress at that point in time because we won't be able to be as hands-on. Um, but we'll still be active. The portfolio will be a little bit bigger. Maybe, I mean, from 15 to 20. So we're growing it by... 25 30%. Yeah. Um I th- I think the biggest thing that we need to focus on in the next 12 months is the systems and the mm. processes. Like Mike says, you know, technically we could go now, we could afford to go now, we've got the income to go now, but the business would suffer. It could because, be stressful. Exactly. We're not ready. Side, yeah. The business is not ready for us to step away from it. So that yeah. for me is the biggest thing over the next 12 months getting that business ready yeah so you'll be sailing around the mid and your pm and letting lettings agent and whoever else you've got on the team will be running all the properties for you you'll just be doing the overview on that yeah you'll be continuing with the media now you said before mike that you've got big plans for the media company mm-hmm. what will you be doing from the back of your boat so i mean i look at companies like mashable and TechCrunch that are industry leading sources of information for their specific industries and i picked two tech ones there because that's kind of what i'm interested in but there are big publications that serve a real need in those industries i think the property industry is lacking something similar there are some great print publications out there there are some great podcasts out there but in terms of asking a hundred different property investors what is the brand that you go to for your news your information your education i don't think you would get a single cohesive answer from them all um some people would mention some of the bigger training companies some people would mention richard bowser's property investor news there's a whole host of and hopefully a few people might mention the podcast as well we want the podcast and i need to stop referring to it as the podcast we want ipi the brand to be that source of insight information and education for anyone in the sort of property investment world from you know planning and uh planning legislation changes right through to sort of interior design tips and tricks and that is audio content it's written content and it's video content a lot of which is free and then some of it will be sort of paid upgrades paid um yeah, sort of pay-gated content for people that want to dive in a bit deeper but it's uh it's a kind of vague well vague plan ish at the time as it stands but yeah it's just to become the go-to the go-to information disseminator for our industry you'll be able to work it out while you're sailing and yeah. uh, when you're not actually at the the wheel yeah well exactly and i mean in terms of what we'll physically be doing on the boat um i'm led to believe that laptops corrode pretty quickly in salt water so um we'll be replacing our tech every a lot more often than we are just now but i will still we will still very much be working on content creation talking about our journey but also curating content from investors like yourself experts in their respective fields Um, and we will hopefully our team will be up to five by then so there is a guy that we are very close with who is in the sort of media world uh, editor of a couple of big magazines he's looking to relocate back to the uk and should come on board as our editor our director of operations whatever you want to call it um and he will really drive that forward so we can we can talk about property we can record podcasts but in terms of growing a media company that's new to us so again as with our project manager as with our lettings manager we're sort of bringing in people that um 
that can take on a lot of that responsibility for us and we'll sort of look down on it all and just give our little flair where we think we can add some value and then leave them to do what they're best at the rest of the time. Absolutely, and that's really what it's about, isn't it? It's when you have this dream, it's about living that dream but just having the oversight and not actually being bogged down by all the detail within the business. Yeah, and we, we both we both enjoy what we do. You know, we, I don't. I think even if if it was a well-oiled machine that didn't need our input, we got into property because we're passionate about it. Um, I, I started the podcast because I like storytelling, and I've, I've I've discovered that actually the content creation side of things, whether it's photography, whether it's writing articles or interviewing people, um, it's great just to to share that with other people. It might be a small audience, it might be you know tens of thousands of people, but it's. Um, yeah, it's something we both love doing. So, as I say, you know, we'd still want to be involved in that, even if it was, well, maybe that'll change. You know, yep. down the line, kids might come and things, and we might step back from it a little bit. But so far, it's uh, that's it is our hobby as much as anything, which I think is why the the line between personal life and work life is a little bit blurred for us. Yeah, you're clearly passionate about it, and it comes through in your voice and and the eagerness that you you show when you do everything that you do. And back to the podcast, or IPI. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not the, the podcast, Thank you. yes. Yeah. Recently, they've they've had a huge growth in the UK and globally. Mm. So have you noticed that as well with your podcast? Yeah, massively. And I think we we did well to get in when we did. Um, we, we sort of established a bit of a, a brand there. But I mean, there's even now there's some great new podcasts coming out there. I think with um, things like Apple AirPlay getting integrated into car dashboards, more and more people living on their phone it is really um yeah it's, it's a great way to consume content you know you're at the gym you're walking the dog you're on your commute it's uh whether it's entertainment there's a lot of great sort of fictional podcasts out there and comedy based stuff and there's a lot of really good valuable knowledge whether it's you know you're interested in investing in cryptocurrencies or you want to learn how to play the piano there's podcasts out there so i think it's it's more and more the way that people are uh people are listening to that sort of content you know radio stations and stuff it's yeah it's the same song on repeat podcasts um, are whenever i explain it to someone in my family like my grandmother or someone that doesn't really understand it i always kind of describe it as like tv shows for the radio you know it's kind of pre-recorded yeah it's almost like the Netflix of radio. It's yeah, you choose of, what you want to watch versus just putting it on and hoping for the best. Exactly. You tune into a, a show that you want to listen to. Yeah. So so yeah, they they are growing rapidly, and I think they will continue to. Um, so it's it's yeah, I think like I say, we did well to to get in there at the time, but um, more, more and more as more people come to it, I think there's still loads of opportunities there for for different types of content, different formats, different, you know, there's a lot of property stuff out there, but just put your own slant on it. And yeah, it's, it's, it's been really good for us. And what are your top tips for people who are thinking about starting their own podcast? Do it in an industry other than property, please. <laughs> um, and other people's stories. Don't do that. <laughs> no, I think I, I think that there is a lot of uh vanity about needing to have the best kit and i mean we're obviously recording this in your studio and i'm sure we'll be able to tell the difference in the quality of this versus my little setup at home but i think you know the beauty of any medium now whether it's video on youtube podcasts on itunes um pictures on instagram is that it opens it up to anyone and everyone 
and I wouldn't be scared just to get something out there. You talk a lot about prolific, not perfect. And I think there are a lot of people with a lot of great content in them who will never get it out there because they think, oh, I need to have the best microphone and I can't afford it. Or I can't decide between these two microphones and, I, you know, one's going to be a little bit better than the other. We bought this piece of junk microphone off Amazon three years bad. ago. It was okay. <laughs> but, you know, that lasted us three years. And it cost us like 100 quid or something. And and that, that's it. You know, Mike records in our, in our office. Yep. There's no kind of soundproofing. There's no... And the audio probably does not fantastic, but it does the job. Um, but, but it's, it's, an it's been enough. it's people, isn't it? Exactly, yeah. yeah. So that's the thing. I'd say just, block. If it's what you want to do, I'd say just get started. Um, in terms of uh, actual specific... And I think that goes for anything, not podcasts, but um, in terms terms of specifically for podcasting i think um you want to there there needs to be something different about you when we started out there was the two robs doing their podcast that was a lot more news-based information we thought okay well we will do we'll tell stories you know we'll we'll speak to individuals and it's about putting your own slant on it so um do what you're passionate about i think recording interviews i got bored of my interviews for a while i'll be honest and it's because i was just asking the same questions rather than asking what I was passionate about so I think that will come across if you want to engage an audience you need to be passionate about the topic as well don't just do it because you think it's going to make you a couple of hundred grand um, and then from a, a distribution point of view there are so many places to get it out there and I think it's a case of um, just trying to get it out to as many of them as possible and seeing where your audience is iTunes is massive for us but more and more we've started um, recording video behind that as well and you don't think when you think of podcasts you don't think of YouTube but we're getting some great audience figures on YouTube now um, and then that opens up a whole new world because you can be more visually creative with videos as you can just with an audio podcast so yeah a lot of our growth has just been through trial and error doing what we're passionate about getting stuck in and uh, just trying different things to see what sticks. There's there's loads of content out there about how to set up your microphones. And so, you know, you don't need to go into that. A quick Google search will tell you how to record a podcast. Um, I think the main thing is do something you're passionate about and, uh, yeah, just get, stu- just get stuck <laughs> in. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Look, thank you so much to both of you, Mike and Victoria, for coming in today and talking to us. I'm genuinely so happy for you because I can see all the hard work that you've put in over the last three years and to achieve this goal of being able to sail around the world on a yacht and actually continue with what you're passionate about is just incredible and I wish you all the best for the future. Thank Thank you. you. We're, uh, We're certainly looking forward to it.